Amen. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory. Friends, there is still room for the church to be built. There is still room on earth for God's glory to be manifested and seen. The angels see God's glory. The, the spiritual world sees God's glory and excellencies. We human beings have a hard time with it because we're still in a world that is, that is ruled by, by the king of darkness. And until the Lord comes back and will put him away, we are still in this time of, of in-between, of the already and the not yet. The already of the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is already with us, but it's not yet fully consummated. And between the already and the not yet, between this time and the time when indeed everything, the whole earth will be filled with God's glory, and the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will be fully built to its maximum capacity, we pray and ask the Lord, speak. Speak. Because it is the word of the Lord who brings about his will on earth. We pray that, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, I invite you this morning, I invite you this morning to open scripture to the book of Acts, chapter 20. As we uh, continue our journey through this book, um, we've been in it for uh, many months now. We continue this morning with chapter 20, verse 1, from verse 1 to verse 16. And uh, we do ask the Lord, we do ask the Lord to speak to us as, uh, as we will read this truth today in our midst. If you did not bring your Bible, we encourage you to find uh, the Bible provided in a chair in front of you, and you may find this passage on page number 929. Let's, let's li listen carefully to the reading of God's Word and ask the Lord to speak. This is the Word of the Lord. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples. And after encouraging them, he said, Farewell, and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months. And when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. So Potter, the Berean, son of Phyrus, accompanied him. And of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus, and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby and Timothy, and the Asians, Tychicus, and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where, they were where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. 
And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him, and taking him in his arms, said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak, and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Asos, intending to take Paul abroad, aboard there, for so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Asos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene. And sailing from there, we came to the following day opposite Chios. The next day, we touched at Samos. And the day after that, we went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Amen. This is where we end the reading of God's Word for us this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, asking Him to bless us by His Holy Spirit so we may understand and receive His Word in our hearts. Father, we praise Your name, for indeed Your truth, Your Word is true. We pray that You'd speak to our hearts, encourage us by Your Word, so that we might be strengthened and built up in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in the name of Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, friends, this uh, chapter tells us about the journey that Paul had, his last journey to Jerusalem. From there, he will go to Rome. From there, he intended to go to Spain. But the book of Acts ends with Paul in Rome. Although before getting to Rome, he wanted to get to Jerusalem. And this journey, as we start here, uh, is, is the beginning of that journey of Paul towards Jerusalem. Some people have actually uh, paralleled Paul's journey to Jerusalem with Jesus' own journey to Jerusalem. Well, this, um, this passage that also we read, um, some preachers uh, have exploited it by uh, speaking about the theme and the reality and the possibility of sleeping in church. It's not uncommon. Um, and um, uh, poor, poor Eutychus. Um, there, there's been sermons on, on sleeping in church. Uh, but I will not speak to you about sleeping in church, not because we don't need to talk about that, not because it doesn't happen here. Um, it does once in a while. It, it's okay. Um, but that's not, I don't think that's the main theme of this passage, even though it's somewhat the most memorable experience the, the man who ended up falling asleep under Paul's preaching. Um, the, the, the theme of this passage, one of the things that we see woven through here, um, is not so much sleepiness or, or weariness, but encouragement. Encouragement. We see this entire, the, the, this entire chapter is, is weaved together by this theme of encouragement that Paul provides to the churches, to believers in particular, and then to their leaders who lead these believers. Uh, we see in, in this entire chapter, um, even beyond what we read today, what we will continue to read on next week, uh, we see Paul's pastoral 
uh, care displayed as he seeks to encourage God's people, and some of whom he will be visiting for the last time. Actually, the speech Paul will give to the elders in Ephesus, which, uh, which starts in verse 17, we'll look at, at it next week, is a detailed account of the kind of things Paul spoke to encourage the believers, to encourage these churches. Next week, we'll look more carefully at, uh, at, at that speech. But this morning, I want us to look at, at this theme of encouragement in general as, as Paul gave it to the churches. Let's consider the great ministry of encouragement, which Luke seems to emphasize. Uh, by the way, besides encouragement, Paul did a few other things on this trip as he began his last journey towards Jerusalem. Uh, one of the things he, he did, which Luke does not mention here, but which is mentioned in the book of Romans, is the fundraising that, that, that Paul did uh, from the regions of, of Macedonia, Achaia, Asia, for the churches in, for the church in Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, um, you noticed a long list of names and places, names of people who accompanied Paul. Most commentators believe that they, those names are actually representatives of, of the various churches from these various cities uh, that were actually engaged in the fundraiser. And, and these churches sent one or two representatives to take these funds to, to Jerusalem. So that's why we have so many accompanying Paul on this journey back to Jerusalem. But in the midst of the traveling plans, Luke tells us what Paul did in several of these places. He was committed to revisit churches he had established to give them encouragement. Encouragement. So let's consider this great ministry of encouragement. My first point I want to bring to you is the need for encouragement. The need for encouragement. Um, this need for encouragement is evident uh, in at least three verses in the passage we read um, earlier. Look at verse 1. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouragement, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. Notice here what Paul is doing. He's not just gathering them to say farewell, to, to say his goodbyes. Before doing that, he first encouraged them. Uh, they, they had just experienced this uproar that we looked at last week, this, uh, this trouble uh, caused by the silversmiths and their trade in Ephesus. And, uh, and in, the midst of, in, in the midst of that, and on the end of that, perhaps their minds were troubled about what would happen next. If, if these pressures began to, to start rising up, what will happen to this church in Ephesus? Uh, Paul was there um, for about three years, but he's leaving. Now, he did not leave them alone. It's not like he left the church and the church was, was without a pastor. That is not what's going on. Because as we'll see in verse 17 next week, uh, Paul left elders who were pastors, who were pastoring this church. So it's not that, that the, the church was left without a pastor, but still, the Apostle Paul, three years significant. The Lord has done great things, great, great miraculous things, great teachings, great revival in that city. So before saying farewell, these believers needed to be encouraged once more. It's amazing that Paul is, is careful and sensitive to the need to encourage these believers before he leaves. Look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. 
when he had gone through those regions, namely of Macedonia, and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. Now, we don't know what was going on in the churches of Macedonia. We don't know if they were struggling with particular issues in, the, in their lives as, as a congregation, um, or if they had lots of joy, or it was just a, the basic need of, 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 of needing encouragement. We, we don't know the reasons, but it's clear that Paul kept encouraging them um, as he went through those regions. Then look at verse 12. And they took the youth alive and were not little comforted. That's an understatement. They were not little comforted. In Troas, a young man, Eutychus, uh, fell asleep on a window. Paul preached, as Paul preached, and Paul revives him and, 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 and resurrects him. And, uh, and after that, uh, guess what happened? Paul went on preaching. And by the, by the morning, we were told that, that they were not little comforted. They were greatly comforted. These were three instances where Luke emphasizes a ministry of, of encouragement as Paul traveled from city to city towards Jerusalem. Oh, one, one more detail that Luke doesn't mention to us. When, when it says there that he went from Macedonia to Greece, the, the major city in Greece is Corinth. And it's wildly known, well known, that it is at this time in the three-year stay in Greece, in, in Corinth, that Paul wrote the famous letter to the Romans. So even, not only did he, did he encourage churches, even the church in Corinth, but he encouraged other churches as he was getting ready to visit Rome and, and send this, the famous letter of, of the Romans. The need for encouragement, friends, is, is all around us. In our society, people value uh, motivational speakers. You know, it's, it's, a new, it's a somewhat of a new phenomenon in, in, the, in the last uh, several decades of the, of the 20th century and the 21st century. That, that there's this genre of motivational speakers, people who are, who are skilled in, in their speaking abilities so they can motivate you. Companies would hire motivational speakers uh, to get their employees pumped up. I remember one of the, one of the awkward jobs I had as a student um, in college was to sell books door-to-door, -door, educational books. And, and they prepared us by uh, taking us to a boot camp for a whole week and gave us all the skills of how to present the materials and, and what to say when you arrive at the door and, and how to knock on the door and, and how far back to stay from the house. All those skills they gave us, how to memorize a script. But at the end of the week, they brought in a motivational speaker that just, I mean, he would just floored the whole thing. He was so good that we were ready to, to go into any state uh, and sell books, no matter how hot it was. And I was, I was, um, I was um, uh, scheduled or planned to, to sell books in Oklahoma. When people ask me, where my, where's my accent from? I tell them I'm from Oklahoma. But, but this guy, I mean, was, he was so good at motivating us to do it. We, we were ready. We were ready to take on any household, any, any city with, with selling books in these, in these cities because this guy was just so good at, at motivating us to do it, right, encouraging. Well, Christian encouragement is a, bit, a little different than that. Uh, Christian encouragement is not like motivational speaking. Sometimes... Sometimes people come to church to want to hear a motivational talk. You know, want to go out of the church being pumped and ready to take the world, you know, regardless of what happens. 
But, but the Christian life is not that way. I mean, the, the Christian nature, the Christian journey alone, what we are as Christians, uh, we are not just sent out there to sell products, to try to, 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 to win things on our own strength, in our own skills, in our own the products that we have to, to sell out. It, it's not that way. Um, there's so many differences. There are some overlaps between motivation and, and Christian encouragement, but there's so much that's different. We would stay a long day to talk about those differences. But this morning, I want to I talk to you about the need for Christian encouragement, the kind of encouragement we need to hear and, and, and be exposed to as, as Christians. I, I love one of the um, old Puritan prayers said this, My adversaries are part and parcel of my nature. They cling to me as my very skin. I cannot escape their contact. In my rising up and sitting down, they entice me with constant baits. Come with almighty power and abolish in me every particle of carnal life this day. Friends, the encouragement we need in our journey to love Jesus in the encouragement we need in our journey to fight off sin, to be vigilant against the snares of temptation, to be hopeful against the trials and difficulties of life, to set our aim on the inher eternal inheritance of God that He has promised to the saints. These are, these are the kind of encouragements we, we need. It's not just to go motivated and feel like we can take on the whole world until we meet the first obstacle and we our energy goes down and we feel like we need to come back to church to, to get our lives back together. That, that's not the kind of encouragement, the kind of uh, just pep talk that motivational speakers give today. There are a few categories of Christians who especially need encouragement. Let me run through a few of these. Um, first, Christians who are weak in their faith. Christians who are weak in their faith need encouragement. Uh, Christians may suffer um, of spiritual weakness even though we don't realize it. Now, one of the things, friends, um, that, that's so pitiful is this, that when it comes to our physical bodies, we know very quickly when our strength goes down, when we become weak. Uh, saints who advance in age um, often know this firsthand experience. Uh, they start learning that they're no longer able to do the things they once were able to do. Their body is becoming weaker and weaker. They get tired quicker and quicker. And, and we, just, we just know that pretty, pretty clearly, pretty hands-on. We know when we are becoming weak in our bodies. But when it comes to spiritual things, spiritual weakness is not that clear. Oftentimes, we don't even know we have become weak spiritually. We, we don't even realize it. That's why uh, we, we, be, we need strengthening even when we don't know we need it. We need this encouragement even though we may not realize we, we need it. I, I love what Richard Baxter once said. Uh, it is a very sad thing for Christians to be weak spiritually. Such weakness exposes us to dangers. Such weakness keeps away our ability to be comforted by God. Such weakness keeps us away from delighting in God. Such weakness takes away the sweetness of God's ways. Such weakness makes us play too easily with the baits of temptation. Such weakness 
makes us believe too easily the lies of Satan and the ways of darkness may appear to us not as dark. These are some signs of, of spiritual weakness in Christians. We need encouragement. We need strengthening. Second, another category of, of Christians who need encouragement are those who are trapped under a particular sin. And they've been in bondage to it for a long time. And they, feel, they think or feel that they cannot get out of it. They may have tried to get out of it, but they can. They, they, need, they need a special strengthening, special encouragement. People who are addicted and who need to be freed from their bondage. Whether it's uh, the bondage of pride. Whether it's a bondage of worldly mindedness. Whether it's sensual desires or other idolatries pursuing after after money or other things that we try to fill our life with apart from God. We must come alongside such believers and encourage them. Such encouragement might involve some, some confrontation, some, some hard questions, some, uh, some, some probing of the heart, uh, of the sinfulness of the heart, and yet do it gently but firmly, encouraging them to oppose their sin. Friends, we fail to love well. We fail to love well if we see our fellow believers caught in the traps of sin and not provide them with God's encouragement to forsake that sin. A third category of people who need encouragement is Christians who have fallen in very dishonorable actions, in actions that clearly dishonor the name of the Lord Jesus. They need encouragement towards them we must love them and encourage them to return to the Lord. They have dishonored the gospel, and we encouragement to them it plays out primarily about calling them to repentance and to a full confession of their sins. Any other encouragement will have no value as long as they remain stubborn in their sin. You see how encouragement takes a different shape depending on, on where each Christian is. Just as Paul encouraged the believers in Ephesus, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love. But there's a another category of Christians who need encouragement. It's the strong Christians. It's the strong Christians. The, the mature Christians or the maturing Christians, they too, we, we might feel like they don't need as much encouragement. They too need encouragement. Um, they need encouragement not to become dull or unvigilant about the snares of the devil. They need encouragement to help them make progress in their walk with Christ so they will not plateau or think they have reached maturity and now they can take it easy. There are some Christians who might take comfort in the fact that they have already arrived at a certain level of spiritual maturity, and um, they might take comfort that they have been Christians for many years. They might, have, they might take comfort that they have been exposed to so many Bible studies already, and they're already so advanced in their Christian journey. They might take comfort that they have so much Christian life experience, and yet such comfort actually can begin to dull their spiritual progress. But mature Christians need encouragement so they won't plateau. Mature Christians need encouragement so their service to Christ may be more effective, so that they might invest their lives 
in the service of Christ. That they might invest their lives to bring up others, to disciple others, to invest in the lives of other Christians. They also go through trials. And when trials come, no matter if you are a young baby Christian or if you're an older, maturing Christian, when trials come, Christians need encouragement. They need encouragement to continue to persevere. They need encouragement to continue to delight in Christ, even though the trials of their lives might feel like Christ is far away. They need encouragement to continue to put their hopes in Him. Here's the bottom line. Every Christian needs encouragement. Every Christian needs encouragement. Read the book of Hebrews and all the exhortations it includes for believers of all kinds. But what about people who are not Christians? Do they need encouragement? Do people who are not Christians need encouragement? Well, they do. But friends, the first encouragement God wants to give them, the first encouragement they need from God is to actually come and recognize their sin. The first encouragement they need to hear from God is to come to recognize and, and acknowledge God's own assessment of their condition of being sinners. Not just sinners, because all of us are sinners, but in bondage to sin. And, and if they remain in bondage to sin, they will face God on the day of judgment and will face the wrath of God. They need encouragement to run away from that wrath by turning to Christ, by turning to God through the means that God has provided, namely Jesus. It is through Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross that sinners can be encouraged, can be given the hope of returning to the Lord, of being restored to God. The encouragement of the gospel is for sinners to be restored to Christ, to be restored to God through the Lord Jesus. Friend, if you are not a Christian this morning, if you have visited us, we're so glad you're with us. We appreciate you coming. I pray that you would consider God's encouragement to persuade you to turn away from your ways of sin and be restored to God through the sacrifice of Jesus. A Jesus who, who died for our sins, a Jesus who died for, for, the, for, the sinner, for the sins of sinners who would repent and believe in Jesus. To those, Christ brings a new life. To those, Christ wipes away their sin. To those, Christ breaks the chains of sin, breaks the dominion, the power of sin, and rescues them from the kingdom of darkness and transfers them, transposes them to the kingdom of light. Oh, friend, if you've never experienced this encouragement of the gospel, I pray that even as, you, as you're hearing these words right now, as we're gathered here, call out to God. Ask Him to save you from your sin. Ask you to restore you from darkness to light, that you may come to embrace the Lord Jesus. And if you're interested to know more about what that means, at the end of the service, I encourage you to talk to someone after the service or come and talk to me. But non-Christians need the encouragement, but it's the first and greatest encouragement is the encouragement of the gospel. Apart from that encouragement of the gospel, no other encouragement will do justice. No other encouragement will be valuable to someone who is not yet a Christian in truth and spirit. But what are God's ways of encouragement? We, we talked, and I, I took some time to, to talk about who needs encouragement. Christians, in particular, need Christian encouragement. Non-Christians need the encouragement that first starts in the gospel itself. But how does, how does God's encouragement, how is that delivered to us? 
How does God provide that encouragement? Well, point number two, as we look at God's provision of encouragement, is that God chooses people as channels of encouragement. God chooses people as channels of encouragement. Throughout this text, God chose the Apostle Paul to be the the means by which these believers were encouraged. Notice also that in every, every situation, the context seems to be that people were gathered to hear Paul speak. Did you hear that? It seemed that as Paul was traveling from place to place, people were gathering to hear him. As a matter of fact, Paul, even in Ephesus before he left, he gathered the disciples together to come to him. When, when he's in Troas, they were gathered on the first day of the week. And, and their encouragement happened in, in that context. Friends, so much of the encouragement that God gives us happens through the means of Christians meeting together. Through the, the means of, of Christians living life together, hearing God's word together. Hebrews 10, um, to, uh, verse 24 and 25 says the following, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near, the very purpose, one of the purposes of, of gathering together is for the sake of encouraging one another. The reason why we're, we're, we are discouraged from giving up meeting together is so that we may not bereave one another of the blessing of encouraging one another. But in this passage, in this passage, the encouragement comes from someone who is experiencing hardships in his life. Sometimes we feel that encouragement goes this way, from the person who's, who's more encouraged or less, has less troubles in his life to someone who has more troubles in his life. That somehow encouragement comes from people who already have it and have figured out a way how to live life well. And they can encourage us how to live life better, the, the rest of us who, who need some help along the way. But look, look at Paul as he's giving this encouragement. Look who, who where, where was he in his stage of life when he was giving these kind of encouragements? I encourage you to look at the few verses um, past the passage we read. In verse 18, for example, where Paul recounts his days of ministry in Ephesus, he says, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Did you hear that? Paul's days in Ephesus were with tears and with trials. And here's now he's encouraging them he, before he takes off. Look at that then verse 22. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Interesting. This is the man who's giving encouragements. A man to whom the Spirit of God is testifying that, it, that 
imprisonment and afflictions await for him as he goes on. How can a man in this situation in life be the one whom God uses to encourage other believers? Well, the answer, the answer is somewhat simple, although not intuitive. The encouragement Paul gave was not based on him. It was not encouragement from Paul. It was no, he, Paul was not trying to be a, a motivational speaker who sought to motivate others by his speaking abilities. It was not his experiences or circumstances or skills that enabled Paul to be an encourager, nor was it Paul's optimism, always looking for the good, always finding something good in every situation. No, it's not that that, that created the, this encouragement. Actually, his speech in verses 17 to 36 includes warning as well. So how could a man who, when he went through such hard experiences, how could a man like that provide encouragement? Because he was only a channel of God's encouragement, not the source of it. He was only a channel, not the source. Friends, you know what this means? This frees us. This frees us of some anxiety. Sometimes we feel that we cannot be encouragers unless we have a very a specific personality, an outgoing personality, a personality who's always excited, a personality who's always um, able to say something in every circumstance, so that in such a, in such, on such a grid, someone who might be an introvert or somebody who's, who's more soft-spoken might feel like they may not have the gift of encouragement. Oh, friends, do not, do not confuse excitement with encouragement. Do not confuse excitement or extrovertness with encouragement or with the gift of encouraging. Christian encouragement is not rooted in our personality. Christian encouragement is not rooted in our circumstances. Christian encouragement is not rooted in our skills or experiences. So don't worry. Don't worry if you feel like you don't have these. Lacking these does not disqualify you from being a channel God uses for encouragement. So what is, what is the source of encouragement? We looked at God's provision of encouragement through channels, through channels of human beings, us, people. What is the source of encouragement? Look at verse 2. It's verse 2. Praise God for crying, children being in our midst. Praise God for that. Verse, look at verse 2. When we had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. This verse is a very um, straight or rather difficult or unusual expression in the, in the original Greek language. A more wooden translation a more wooden translation would be this, and Paul encouraged them in much word. Paul encouraged them in much word. In other words, the way Paul went about in giving the encouragement was that he engaged in much teaching and preaching of the word of God. This is a source of encouragement. The source of encouragement is the word of God. God may use people as channels of encouragement, but it's God's word alone that is a source of that encouragement. Why? Because God meets us through his word. God meets us through his word. We encounter God through his word. That's why when, when we encounter God, God is able to strengthen us. God is able to encourage us. 
Our only knowledge of God is based on what He reveals to us about Himself through His Word and through His Spirit. Paul will say to the elders in the church of Ephesus in verse 32, And now I commend you to the God and to the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up. Paul is, is commending the church in Ephesus to God and to the Word of His grace, which is able to build them up. Yes, it's God and His Word that's able to encourage us. If this is so, if, if God's Word is His provision of encouragement, if God's Word is a source of encouragement, let me ask you, do we allow ourselves to be encouraged by it? Do we allow ourselves to be encouraged by it? Or do we seek some other means, other, other means of encouragement, other worldly means of encouragement, other carnal means of encouragement? Is the Word of God enough to encourage us. Is the Word of God enough to encourage us? This is, this is one of the signs of weakness among Christians when the Word of God is not enough to encourage us. When the Word of God is not enough as beneficial for our spiritual encouragement. When we need other props. We want to see other human-based reasons for encouraging us even as Christians. Some people are encouraged only when they see numeric growth, when they see numbers, so that the faithful preaching of the Word might not be enough to encourage us. They need other reasons in order to be encouraged. They need, we need programs. We need something different to encourage us. But friends, as a congregation, is God's Word enough to provide encouragement for us? Friends, we should be more encouraged by a congregation that might be smaller in numbers, but that is faithful in living out the Word of God, in, in living it out, in following it, in proclaiming it, than by a congregation that may be way larger in numbers that might be teaching or living half-truths. We should be more encouraged by the faithfulness of God's Word among us, in our lives, together. Is God's Word enough encourage us. But in our text, the long preaching about God's Word caused a problem. Trials come. Setbacks come. What do you do? I mean, go my goodness, Eutychus falls asleep as Paul preached, and Paul preached through the middle of the night. Wow, can you, can you imagine that? Should we apply that? tonight when we meet again for the evening service? No, I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to go there. Poor Eutychus. He gets his name in the Bible. That's a big deal. But for the wrong reason, or for, for such an awkward reason, for falling asleep, and, and, and for falling asleep at Paul's own preaching. How embarrassing to be known in the history of Christianity as a man who fell asleep while Paul preached. Wow. You're telling me the Word of God encourages? The Word of God has the ability to encourage, and yet, you see, Eutychus falling asleep? Two years ago, I read a book for preachers. It was entitled, Saving Eutychus. The subtitle of the book was, How to Preach God's Word and Keep People Awake. Really, how sad. How sad that this church is gathering in Troas, experienced this setback 
this young man, this young lad, this youth falling asleep. But, but there's some encouragement from this whole experience that I think we can take. Um, Luke gives us this story in a in, in few verses, very few verses. But notice, notice what, what caused this incident. It was Paul's long preaching and teaching. And uh, something else to remember, it was the first day of the week, and this is in the first three centuries of church history. Sund Before the third century, Sunday was a work day. People didn't have Sunday off from work. So if they wanted to gather on, a, on the first day of the week, they had to gather on a working day. Now, take that to account if you struggle with gathering with the saints on a day when typically we have off. These folks were committed to gather. Th that's why they gathered in the evening. It was after work. And the next day, they start work again. Now, put that in the context of Paul started preaching and talking and dialoguing and conversing with them, and they stay through midnight. And this happens. And, of course, Luke doesn't give us much detail about it. Uh, it does say that, um, that Eutychus was dead and that Paul came down and, and sat on him, just like Elijah and Elisha in the Old Testament um, stood on, 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 on various people when they have restored them to life. Here Paul is being described, continuing the ministry of Elisha in Elijah, bringing, um, restoring life to this young man. But it's not just a miracle of bringing this man to life. I wonder, I wonder something else. If you had lived at that time, if, you've be, if you would have been a Christian in Troas at that time, would you have stayed at the gathering until midnight? Would you have stayed? And the fact that this Eutychus is a young man, most likely his parents were with him, families were there, they were willing to stay in long hours. Now, this was not the norm. I, I'm not suggesting we need to go into this pattern. Uh, this happened uniquely because Paul was going on, um, was leaving the next day. So it was a special circumstance. I, I do not want to even suggest to you that we should be thinking about those kind of services on a regular basis. Um, once in a while, having an, a night of vigilance or, or whatnot, it's, it's possible. We might do something like that. But would you have stayed? You had a, you had a long day at work. You'd go again the next morning. Would you stay? What's amazing is that after Paul actually restores this man to life, they don't just break the, the gathering, go home. They get, they eat. Most likely it may have been the Lord's Supper at midnight, and they stay and go on. You know, wh who impresses me is not Paul, the fact that he was able to pe preach that long. Who impresses me is the people who stayed with him to listen. And at the end, we get this picture of they were greatly encouraged. Absolutely, the miracle alone was such an encouragement, but it was more than the, the miracle. Because after the miracle, they kept on staying until dawn through the night as Paul preached God's word. Friends, what was going on here? The, the, the disruption of the death of Eutychus and Luke mentioning this miracle is important for us in, in, the f in, in this one major point. You see, death is not an obstacle to the preaching of God's word. Death 
is not an obstacle to the preaching of God's Word. As a matter of fact, when the preaching of God's Word is heard by those who are unregenerate, whether they claim to be Christians or not, when the unregenerate hear the Word of God, it is as if the Word of God is communicated to dead people. And yet spiritual death is not an obstacle for God's Word. It's not an obstacle for us. It, it is an obstacle for us, but not an obstacle for God. God is able to bring life even in the face of death through the proclamation of His Word through the Spirit. That's why God's Word is a source of Christian encouragement. Because this miracle shows so clearly the God whom Paul proclaims is able to bring life from death, is able to bring life even after death. Therefore, his word can be a source of encouragement. That's why Paul in Romans, will, that the letter he wrote during this journey, he will end this letter in Romans 16, 25, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. That's why the word of God is a source of encouragement because the word of God brings God to us. The in, in the Word of God, in the hearing of the Word of God, we actually engage God when the Spirit brings, makes that happen. And therefore, the God who is able to bring even physical life from physical death is able to bring spiritual life from spiritual death. If this is a power of God's Word, then why would Christians today seek encouragement at other fountains other than the Word of God? Why would we look for other suppliers of encouragement? Why would we look for other nourishment of encouragement when God's word is enough to bring encouragement to us? It's like children wanting to, to get and eat candy all day long. Yes, it might have some great tastes for the moment, but give a, can give a kid candy all day long for 20 years and you will ruin him. Similar way, God, just like parents want to give children healthy food to, to strengthen them in a healthy way, in a correct way, in a, in a better way, God's Word is, is a source of true health, a source of true encouragement. Why would we cry out to God only for the candy, only for the sweets, and try to be nourished only with things that will be tasty and appetizing in the short run? We'll provide all the sugar and all the energy we need in the short, short run. God's word, friends, is a true healthy source of encouragement. And that's why, that's why it's not a coincidence that Paul will summarize his ministry in Ephesus in verse 27. He will say, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. We need the whole counsel of God to be the means and the, the source of our encouragement. And in verse 32, Paul says, and I commend you the word of God's grace. Friends, some of the discouragement God can allow in our lives may be actually a means of God's grace to us. So that we might learn to understand the short life of things we seek as carnal encouragement. And God may allow us to see the short life of those so that we may continue to find and strive and look for that which is an eternal fountain of encouragement. God's word.
Would you pray with me? Father, we praise your name, for indeed in your word and through your word there is life. Your spirit brings your word to us and enlivens us, revives us. And even those who, among us who have come to know you for a long time, oh Lord, we need to be revived again by the power of your word. We need to be strengthened again. We need to be encouraged again by the power of your word. Those among us who have never experienced the life brought by the Spirit through the gospel, we pray that in their lives you would work a new life, a new experience, a new birth. Father, we pray that by your word your people may learn to be encouraged with an eternal source of encouragement. And may we find your word sweet. And may the Spirit of Christ continue to present the word of God as honey in our mouths. We pray this for the name of Christ and in, in his name and for his glory. Amen.